Actually, she was a dear, dear friend of mine. And it's funny, we got to know each other's style as we started liking boys and seeing how our relationships formed. But one thing that I noticed about her very early on is that she had a lot of anxiety and she was constantly kind of always looking for validation in some way, shape, or form. She was looking for that in her friendships. And then I saw it with boys and then fast forward till now with men. I mean, she was constantly fishing for compliments, wanting that reassurance, constantly worried about the relationship. And then, you know, now as she was getting into relationships, I saw her texting the guys like crazy. And if she didn't hear from the guy after an hour, her anxiety would go through the roof. And I came to realize after being a therapist and working with a lot of people and even with myself, that this is a really common thing. And I think we all have different levels of anxiety, but how they manifest and how big they get and how it really can interfere with relationships is what's important. So I want to actually start out, this is the Coaching with Kim segment where I dive into answering style, dating, and relationship questions live with a client. We have somebody on the line today to talk about some of these anxieties anxious attachment styles. But before I get into that, I wanted to do just a little bit of psychobabble today. Now, you know me by now. I, I'm not really into the whole psychobabble thing, but I do think it's important to understand just some fundamentals about different styles of attachment because we all have them. We're wired for attachment. That's why you see babies cry when they're separated from their moms. We have this natural instinct as human beings to attach and to be loved. And depending on, you know, mom and dad's behavior when it comes to the crying and fast forward to later experiences and other factors, we all develop a different style that affects our behavior in close relationships. Now, fortunately, most people have what they call a secure attachment because if you just look at this biologically, we, we have this kind of tendency to favor survival. It ensures that we're safe. It can help each other in a dangerous environment, you know, and that's just, you know, kind of going back in time. But I find that, especially as we get older and we have all these experiences, either we seek or we avoid intimacy based on our experiences, and they're unique to all of us. And there, is th there are three styles that are generally predominant you know, what, whether we're dating or in long-term relationships. And this isn't my stuff. This is, I mean, you can find this all over the internet. There's a lot of books about this. So I want to go over the three styles and then we'll move into the predicament that the caller's having today. So the first one, as I said, is secure. Now, interestingly enough, 50% of the population is a secure attachment style. So if you're this, you're able to be intimate without worrying about a relationship for the most part. And then there is the avoidance style. Now that's, this is 25% of the population. And if you're this style, you, 
act pretty self-sufficient, you're self-reliant, you're not really comfortable getting too you know, intimate, and you're not comfortable sharing feelings. You protect your freedom and you delay commitment. And then there's the anxious attachment style. And if you are this, you, you are able to be close and you're able to be intimate and you can even maintain a positive connection. However, you can get so caught up in this kind of relationship and the attachment that you crave so much that you give up your needs to please and accommodate your partner. Because you don't get your needs met, then you become unhappy. And this is where the preoccupation and the obsession sets in, right? And so there's a lot of ways that people will alleviate their anxiety. Interestingly, when it comes to attraction, somebody who is good for the anxious attachment style is actually the secure one because that is something that, you know, a secure attachment style can help with the anxiety. But pursuers with the anxious style are usually not interested in someone who's actually available because they don't find it familiar, right? And so this is kind of the, the tug of war that happens out there sometimes in relationships. So with me on the line, I have someone who wants to be free from longing for people who don't want her and to learn to open her heart for someone who does. Meet Danielle. Hi, Danielle. Hi, Kim. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for coming on and sharing the scenario. I think so many people can relate to this. So do you want to just like introduce yourself a little bit and tell us what's going on? Sure. So um, my name is Danielle. I'm 42. I'm single. I've never been married. Um, I've been in several long-term relationships that most of, most of all of them have been kind of complicated relationships that have lingered on way longer than they should have. Mm. Um, and, you know, I've recently just gone through a breakup that has kind of just shook me at my core and made me you know, kind of look back and reflect on all of the relationships that I've had and just kind of what is the pattern and, you know, mm -hmm. what, what is it that's similar in all of these relationships and what can I do about it to change so that I don't continue to have these same types of complicated relationships. Oh my God, that's so good. I love that you're, you know, looking at yourself because I always say you can't change the people that you've had relationships with. All you can look at is changing things that you're doing to get a different result, right? And so that's that's awesome that you're you're looking at that. Well, tell me more about that. So have you cracked the code and figured out your pattern? Like, what is it? So yes, I, I, I think that I have. Um, <laughs> so when you just describe the different types of attachment styles, I actually think that I... I am, I'm actually an avoidant person by nature. Mm -hmm. I'm very self-sufficient, um, very independent, have a great career, you know, college degrees. Um, you know, I, I take care of my, I, I mean, I take care of myself. So I think in, at the root, I am an avoidant person, but when I get into a relationship, you know, usually men in the beginning, um, you know, they come on very strong and, you know, they're saying all the right things and doing all of the right things. And I tend to be the one to kind of push them away. And the more mm. I push them away, the kind of the more that they 
pursue. (laughs) Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that, I think that is me, my way of kind of testing them to see like, you know, how into this are they? And Ah, so then, yeah. yeah. So then when, you know, that phase is over and that phase usually ends for me when I feel that they may start to pull away a little bit. And the minute that I feel that they are starting to pull away, I literally switch into the anxious attachment style. And then that's where the anxiety comes in. And so it's, it's kind of complicated because, you know, I, I think that I embody both attachment styles. Yes. Oh, that is really interesting. It's like you, you, you throw out the bait and then you're kind mm-hmm. of stringing the bait until they earn you. And once they get it, you, then it flips. And then you're like hanging on to the rope for dear life kind of thing. I exactly. Just, yeah, yeah. Okay. Got it. Uh, well, and this is, I'm glad that you mentioned that because um, it, it's not linear, these styles, you know, and I think it differs in everybody. And there may be something at the core that's kind of creating both of this, like, it's like the push me, pull me effect. It seems like what you're going through. Um, And then you were also saying that you tend to stay in it too long, a little bit, right? Tell me more about that. Like what happens? Right. So, so I'll just use the last two relationships that I had as, as an example, because those were, you know, over the last five years, Um, there's definitely, you know, red flags in the relationship. you know, where I I start to realize, or, you know, I know in my heart and in my core that this person, you know, isn't the best person for me. Um, But by that point, I'm, I've kind of lost myself, and I'm more into pleasing this person and gaining this person's, you know, approval or validation. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, as the pieces of the relationship, you know, start to fall apart, I'm still you know, ignoring all of those red flags and ignoring all the reasons why this relationship should fall apart. And I'm just, you know, hanging on to the threads of what's left. Oh, got it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, let me ask you, and I don't know if you can reflect on this, like with these guys that you've, well, first of all, what, what has been your longest relationship? Like how long do these usually last? Um, so this last relationship was about a year and a half. Um, the relationship before that was about four years. Okay. So they're longer. It's not like these are like tornado relationships where they come and go really fast. I mean, there's some longevity here to it too. Okay. Um, and in the beginning of these relationships, do you remember what attracts you? Like what, what really gets you about these guys in the beginning? Um, well, similar, both of them, they both came on very strong. Um, mm. You know, there was, there was, you know, there was, it was a lot of texting, a lot of communication, a lot of availability as far as, you know, seeing each other and spending time together and, you know, being a priority um, that both in both of those relationships, that's how they both started. And what about that appeals to you? Um, I think the, you know, the, the attention, um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and then also 
being, you know, being a priority to someone or, you know, Mm -hmm. being a priority in someone else's life. I think that is very attractive to me. Has that been something that you have been kind of like longing for, for the most part? Like, I don't know, tell me more about like, you know, you growing up and stuff. Is that something that you've always tried to get more of that attention and being a priority? So I I wasn't even aware of any of this until, you know, like I said, just the past few months as I've kind of reflected back over my life and, and all the, the relationships that I've had. And yeah, so I was, or I am the baby of five girls. Um, Wow. Big family. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. You're like trying to get some attention. Yeah. Right. But you know, surprisingly enough. So when I was three, my parents went through a divorce. Um, And then when I was five, my mom got remarried to a man who had two children as two girls as well. So there was seven um, girls all at one point. Oh my gosh. All girls, all girls, all girls. Oh my God. A lot of estrogen there. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So me being the youngest, um, the sister above me is eight years older than me. And then they all kind of fall in line very closely in age after that. So it was kind of like I was the only child, but then I was also, you know, one of many. Um, and so I just think that, you know, they were kind of teenagers at the time. There was just a lot of chaos in the house growing up. So I think that I learned to be mm, kind of invisible, like kind of stay below the radar, don't cause any more drama or chaos in the house, just kind Mm of, you know, stay to yourself, do your own thing, you know, be good and, and everything will be fine. But with that being said, like, I think I grew up not truly knowing how to express my feelings at all to other people. Mm -hmm. That is so, I'm really glad you shared that. So important. And I think there, I mean, and it sounds like you're putting it together. It's kind of like a puzzle, right? Like how that impacts maybe some of the anxiety you have now about getting attention and getting validated and being a priority because you kind of got lost in the shuffle and then you were so busy being the good girl, right? Not making the waves because there was all this chaos. I mean, you know, you didn't want to add to that, it sounds like. So you became that just kind of good girl. So what did you do with your feelings? Like, did you have any other kind of support or did you just kind of swallow it and handle it yourself? No, I I mean, I just kind of swallowed it and handled it myself unknowingly. I mean, I I didn't know any different. So, you know, to me, it, it, that, that was just normal, you know, normal. Right. Right. Yeah. Do you, do you see, you see the tie in here with fast forward to now some of your relationships and what you're getting attracted to? I do. I do. Mm -hmm. What is it? What do you, what so are you putting I'm, together? I'm, so I'm, I'm putting together that, you know, A, um, I am definitely, I, I've, I think that I have been drawn to emotionally unavailable people. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's a direct result because I myself am really emotionally unavailable. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. I, I haven't learned how to truly, you know, share my feelings with other people. So Mm -hmm. therefore, 
you know, I always put other people, you know, kind of shine the light on them. So therefore I don't have to shine the light on myself because I'm not comfortable with that. I don't, I don't know what to do with that. Right. Right. If you were to share your feelings, what is your worst fear about doing that? Um, I, I, I'm not sure, to be honest with you, because I don't think, I mean, I, I haven't, you know, in 42 years had a relationship where I've truly been comfortable expressing myself. So mm-hmm. I guess the fear of that would be, I don't know, judgment or, mm-hmm. you know, being made fun of or, or being, you know, invalidated, like someone not validating my feelings. Yeah. Yeah. It can be scary, right? I mean, and I don't think that, you know, a lot of times people think about that, that it's fear, but I think the crust of it really is. And the fear is always about the unknown. And guess what? That's what anxiety is about, right? Mm -hmm. Anxiety is about not knowing what's going to happen. And you grew up in an environment that was pretty chaotic, right? And so in order for you to some of the anxiety that was around you, you became like the stable one, right? Like you were just trying to get some sort of like homeostasis in that environment. And, and, but, you know, fast forward to now, it's something that you're seeking, but you're also fearful of at the same time, you know, that intimacy and, and something that's close, but it's also foreign. Like you said, like you haven't even, so even in the relationships that you've had before, it never got to the point where you were really like sharing some deep stuff where it got intimate. No, so it wasn't, Mm -hmm. you know, this last relationship that just ended, it wasn't until things were going south that I started to open up more. And I don't know if that came from, you know, Mm -hmm. a a true authentic place or if that came from a place of anxiety, you know, Mm -hmm. like, well, let me, let me share some of my struggles and then maybe he'll feel sorry for me and he won't break up with me or, you know, I, I don't even know, you know, at the root where that came from, because, you know, these were things, things that I didn't share when the relationship was great and going, you know, wonderfully. It wasn't until the relationship was crumbling and I was hanging on to threads that I started to open up and share things. Yes. Yes. And then, and then they were nowhere when you did that. Yeah. And then at that, at that point, it was like, they could have cared less. Mhm mhm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, here here's here's the good news is that I think you are becoming really aware of what it is that this is about and what you need. But you're at the point of the now what. It's like, okay, I get it. Like I've <laughs> I've, I've I've made this connection, but like now what do I do about it to break this pattern? Because the truth is, Danielle, is that you know, you can attract amazing guys in your life, but you have to learn how to feel worthy enough and good enough and not worry about the judgment and what other people think and feel 
and feel solid within yourself so you don't have that constant anxiety, does he like me? Am I good enough? Do Will I get the attention, right? Because part of it's the, the fear factor, you know, you're, you're worried about it. So now we have an understanding, I think a little bit more about what is happening in the beginning of the relationships. And, and we'll talk more about what to do, you know, from the minute you say hello, so, so to speak. But I, you also touched upon what happens after. And I want to hear more about that. So, so now when you're getting out of a relationship and you just got out of one, what, what is happening? You say you get paralyzed. Tell me more about that. You know, when the relationship ends, um, you know, usually it's, it's not on, you know, I'm not the one who ends it. Um, so I just find mm. that I become kind of, you know, completely preoccupied with the other person. Like, way more so when they were even in my life. Like I find myself like checking their Facebook all the time or, um, you know, going to places hoping that I might run into them or, um, you know, things like that. And it's like, I, I just, I literally become paralyzed and like can't think forward. I'm constantly thinking of the past and like what happened and all the, you know, injustices or, you know, just kind of, I get stuck in like this victim mentality that just keeps me focused on the past instead of just, you know, learning the lessons, taking them with me and moving forward. I really just get stuck focusing on the, on the past and mm -hmm. on the other person. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. No, this is good. And I think actually there's a connection here to even the, some of the stuff that we were talking about before. What are you hanging on to? I think what I'm hanging on to is just, I mean, you know, this, this person, what they represent is, you know, partnership, companionship, um, love, connection, validation, kind of what they represented in my life, you know, at the time we were together. And so without that person altogether, it's kind of like, okay, well now I don't have all those things. So it's like, I'm still trying to create or hang on to that, you know, feeling of connection or partnership or whatever by focusing on the past versus just dealing with the fact that I no longer have that. Got it. So here's the thing, Danielle, you just got through telling me that you never really connected with these guys, that you never really got the reciprocal kind of attention and love that you've been seeking. So what is it that you're really hanging on to? It, you're exactly right. So I, I don't know. I think it's just, it's just someone, you know? Mm hmm. It's the idea of maybe the dream of it, you know, something, yeah, it's, it's right. The fantasy. It's the fantasy of it. And I mean, it's interesting. And I just want to kind of like, and really this is more like a mindset shift is that you're not really hanging on to him and these guys. You're hanging on to the dream of what you want. But they're yeah. two different things because you're not even experiencing what you want with these guys. Do you see that? Mm -hmm. So if you, can, if you can think about that for a second and when you find yourself 
being attached to something that's not even there. You're being, do you see what I'm saying? Like you're getting attached to something that's not even there. It's, it's, it's just a fantasy kind of thing or thinking that you're longing for, so to speak. So really what I want you focusing on, like how you said you're fo focusing on the past, it's not even the past. It's something that maybe you've never had. Guess what? It's also easier to be preoccupied and focus on stuff like that than moving forward because, oh my God, if you moved forward, what if you really did get into an intimate relationship and what would that mean? Right. So it actually is serving as, as a way to protect you mm -hmm. by focusing on something that's not even there. Yeah, I can, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I say that because, I mean, I think a lot of us do this in, in some way, shape or form. I always say like, that's when people get paralyzed with perfection, you know, or, you know, paralyzed with checking the, the Facebook. It's so much easier checking someone's Facebook over and over and over again than actually going on a dating site and putting yourself out there, right? Like it's in some ways easier because you could just focus on, you know, kind of what well, I'm going to call these guys like you're the poster ch child. It was so funny. There was a, a, a client I was working with just to know that you're not alone in this. And she was obsessed with this guy that she had been engaged with for a while and, um, you know, doing the dance that, you know, you described to. And she became so obsessed. She wasn't working. She was like on the Facebook. It was the same thing. And what she realized is she was putting these guys on a pedestal. And it was like, you know, well, you're kind of in my same age group. It's like back in the day, putting Sean Cassidy up on the wall as, as a poster, thinking and fantasizing of him being my boyfriend. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was, it was easier for her to do that. For you, I think the obsession and, and being paralyzed and the preoccupation, part of it is just protecting you and keeping you in the fantasy world rather than actually in the, the real world and, and, going towards intimacy. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think and a lot of the stuff that we talked about before is, you know, not really, you know, knowing what it's like to let somebody in. And I would argue that, you know, how you kind of said that you have both like attachment styles that you have both avoidant and the anxious. I actually think it's more along the lines of the, the anxiety, the, the anxious style, but that it looks like avoidant in the beginning as ways to protect you. Because yeah. then once you like unleash it, then the anxiety, like it's like Pandora's box then it all comes out. So it's a way of like kind of keeping it in check because you eventually attach that you get so attached, right? Like, so it's, it's more of this fear factor that we're talking about. So anyway, what are your thoughts about that? I just said a lot. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. And it's funny because I, I don't think that I've ever truly put the, the label on it or, or, or really kind of recognize the alignment with how, I am very kind of avoidant in the beginning. And then once I get attached, then it's like I'm all in. But once I said it out loud just a little while ago, the first thing that came to my mind was, well, I'm doing this to protect myself. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's not really that I'm, you know, truly avoidant. It's 
you know, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, it, it, just like you said, it's the fear factor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's your way of protecting yourself because you know what happens once you get all in into it. So right. yeah. How are you feeling right now as we're talking about this? I feel good because I feel like, you know, a lot of the stuff I've just kind of had floating around in my mind and to be mm-hmm. able to verbalize it and get it out. And, you know, I, I think it, it's helpful. And, and like I said, just by saying that to you earlier about, you know, I think I'm avoidant and then I become, you know, anxious. It's, it's really solidified to me that I'm not really avoidant. I'm just afraid. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and this is something I say all the time to my clients and even on the podcast, you, I asked you how you feel and you said, I feel good and good is not a feeling. So I'm going to start practicing with you right now and learning how to identify and label your feelings. So all the things that you just described are exactly right. So with all the things you just discovered, what feeling are you having right now? Um, Goodness. Um, I guess a little bit of an excitement because I'm able to see the pattern. So therefore Mm -hmm. I'm able to hopefully do something different next time. Uh huh. Good. Good. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. You see, you just had a break. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think, but but this is really important. I know it's such a like little thing, but it's so big in the scheme of things because it's the first step to starting to open up. I mean, my God, here you're doing it on the podcast live with you know <laughs> thousands of people, right? And that's the vulnerability piece. And because of that, people are going to feel closer to you. You already are one step closer to intimacy not just, you know, with, with other people, but also with yourself, being true to yourself, you know, really digging deep and learning. So that's really the first tip that we just kind of like role played is to learn to identify and honor and assertively express your emotional needs. So not describing what is happening and why, but learning to say what it means to you. So it's one thing to say to a guy, yeah, I feel, you know, really good that we talked about something, da 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 and, we, and then you describe what you're talking about. It's another thing to say, babe, I feel really happy that we have this discussion today. I, I feel so much more relieved that we are talking about this stuff. And do you see as a receiver how much that you can feel me more when I really own my feelings? Yes, for sure. And that's what I want you to learn. I want you to learn. And you know, this is what we call emotional intelligence. It's part of my charisma quotient that I teach people. And what's exciting about this, just to give you more hope, Danielle, is that it's just another language. It's like learning Spanish. It's like learning German. It, you didn't use it growing up. You weren't speaking mm-hmm. that in your household. So now it's learning a new language and you can do this and you can learn it at any point. And so when you do that, you also are risking being more authentic and direct to people. And guess what? The good guys, the one who have the secure attachment 
are going to want to be all in on that. They want to know about your feelings. They want to like help you and be a part of your life, but in a balanced way that is pacing in a more kind of secure way rather than the, the tornado thing that you're experiencing where they're just trying to, to get you. Right. Right. So that's the other thing is I want you to learn how to pace things out. And so when you're ready to get back out there and start dating again, I want you to not get in a relationship right now. I want you to date like you're a kid in the candy store and taste all the different candies and see and try it on for size, you know, just kind of taste them and see what works for you and what doesn't and what feels good and what doesn't. And try practicing you know, really just allow these guys to feel you say what you like, you know, and it doesn't need to be like these negative feelings. It can be just like these things that you're passionate about. See what they do with that. Are they listening to you? Do they want to know more about you? Then do they actually listen and then do something about it? And so I think just learning to identify and then label your feelings and express it and then dating with kind of like honor and pacing it out so that you really get to know yourself and how it feels to be with more secure attachment style guys, I think you'll be on your way to a better pattern for yourself. Yeah, it definitely gives me hope um, that I can, you know, break this pattern because it's exhausting. It truly is exhausting. It's, oh my God, I'm glad you said that. See, you just labeled another feeling. (laughs) But instead of saying it's exhausting, I want you to learn how to say, I feel exhausted being in these relationships. Because when you say it's exhausting, it's outside yourself. The more you can bring it home, we feel you more. And you're right. Like that's what anxiety takes up so much room in our head and our space and our energy because you're spending so much time thinking about things. It's it. Yeah. I can see why you're exhausted. And just to give you a little hope, once you start letting people in, you won't be so tired. Like it's just going to be easy and it'll flow. Mm -hmm. So I just, gosh, I want to thank you for being so vulnerable and coming on and sharing this journey with, you know, everybody, because I think we, again, we can all learn from this. And is there anything that you wanted to say as we end? Yeah. I mean, just thank, you know, thank you for having me on the show and um, giving me the opportunity to kind of verbalize out loud what, what I've been kind of thinking um, internally and, you know, just by saying it out loud, I've, I've already had some, some light bulb moments um, just since we've been on this call. So thank you very much for, um, for having me. You're so, so welcome. And I encourage you to keep going with this. And obviously I'm here for you if you wanted to keep going with this. You know, we can we can talk about that more later. But whatever you do, start doing things in action. You know, now you, you're thinking about a lot of things. Now it's time to put things into action and start, you know, changing this pattern in your life. So Danielle, thank you so much for joining me today. And this has been the Charisma Quotient. I am your host, Kim Seltzer. And remember, you can build confidence 
events, make connections, and find love from the outside in. And if you are looking for a more supportive community to help you with your love life, you've got to come check out my new private Facebook Love Makeover Insiders group. It's super fun, and we have really good discussions there and really giving each other support and all of these things. So make sure you click the link you see in the show description and stay tuned until next week with more tips and how to feel and look fabulous every day.